Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Serie Chronicles is a Media Chronicles production. <laughs> Welcome to Senia Chronicles Q&A episode for, I have no idea how many of these we've been doing. So I was about to say episode number. I thought, I don't know what episode number it is, Mina. Hi, Mina Rizuki. <laughs> it's me, uh, Nikki Bandini. Um, we've got some questions from you guys, as we do every week. Every week, we're really excited to get those and to answer them for you. So let's jump right in with uh, the first one from Arnab. Mukherjee. I really hope I've said that okay. Arnab. Arnab is one of our Chronicles Tifosi Patreon supporters. Thank you so much, Arnab, for supporting the show. Hi. Arnab has a few questions regarding Brahim Diaz um, as a Real Madrid fan. Uh, he has been following his spell in Milan uh, for over a year now. And he says, I think he's grown very quickly. Do you think Diaz will be better off staying at Milan than going back to Madrid? Arnab, uh, does think so because Milan plays without a traditional number 10. Arnav follows up with question, do you think he would be good mon- good value for money for Milan, assuming the purchase clause is about 30 million euros? And finally, Arnav says that he believes that um, Diaz is a great player, but in the wrong era. If he was born about 10 to 15 years ago, when teams could afford to have a number 10 type player, Without much defensive duty, he could have become a superstar. Sorry for paraphrasing a bit, Anna. It was quite a long email, so I just tried to cut it down a little bit. Um, but I think I've got all your big questions in there. Mina, what do you think? Firstly, Madrid's my favourite city, so I, I tend to have watched a lot of Atletico and Real Madrid. I always try to catch up with it. Um, I went to university there, so I'm very attached to the city. Um, do I think he's a Real Madrid player and is it worth for him to come back? I don't think he's going to find space in Real Madrid for several reasons. I think that one of the most important things that I think I associate to Real Madrid is a winning mentality. You know, they're very good about spotting young talent. Obviously, we've seen Vinicius Jr. Even that big summer in which they spent all their money, they 
they bought Marcelo at a young age. They they obviously, you know, Benzema, Iguain, and then they all sort of matured at the right time and started just winning relentless Champions League. Obviously, having somebody like uh, Ronaldo just makes it that much easier. And then Modric and Cruz in your midfield. But it is that winning mentality. It is what Zinedine Zidane used to say in the sense that when I used to walk in when he was a kid, he said that everyone around me was better technically. Um, the only difference was that I knew I would make it. And so it is that level of what that mental fortitude that got him to go from Bordeaux to Juventus to obviously then Real Madrid and be a winner everywhere, including for the, obviously the national team. And with Brahim Diaz, he's 22. So I think to myself, I don't want to be too harsh on him. But nowadays you see people like Jude Bellingham, who is so young, but has that mental fortitude. And you, and you see that with Vlaovic, for example, that I don't see necessarily in Lautaro Martinez and I don't necessarily see in Brian Diaz. Again, against Salernitana, there was lots of criticism aimed at him because there was just no courage on the ball. Physically, sometimes I feel like he doesn't compete. Uh, he can be overwhelmed in a match. He is not somebody to ever say to you, give me the ball and I'm just going to take care of it. Whereas... There are other players who will do that and maybe fail at it, but they will show the courage necessary to do that, you know, like a Barella or a Federico Chiesa, for example. And that's what worries me about him. You're right in the sense that Trequartistas are drying out and not many teams play with a number 10 because we do have nine and a halves. We do have your Benzimas and your, I don't know, Jekos and Martinez and, and, and players who understand how to come back, or especially like Dybala, who will be your centre-back if needs be, and then will progress the ball forward. But the Cortistas are dying out. And I, and I do understand that maybe he would have done more, but where I struggle with him is inconsistency, but I don't see it as being useful in, inconsistency. I see it as he's a little bit scared sometimes. And I think the very best players show that from an early age that they are happy to go up for the challenge. I think on the ball, I think his vision, his creativity, his talent is very is is very big club. It is very Milan. It is very Real Madrid. But my worry with him will always be in the sense of how much up for a, a challenge and a duel he really is. And when the when the game is is slowly dripping away is slowly dripping away or falling away, can he be the man who takes charge or at least helps catapult the team forward. Rafael Leao, for example, is a youngster, but you do see that happen from him on occasion. Sandro Tonali is a youngster, but he always feels he can make the difference. I don't feel Brahim Diaz has that within him. 30 million is way too much to spend on him for Milan, especially considering their finances. So that's difficult. I would like to see him there and to stay there because I think he has the creativity to make a difference. But I think, unfortunately, for Real Madrid, I think it might be a step too far for him. Yeah, so my understanding of the financials of it is it's um, Milan can actually sign him for, it's actually a little bit less than that, it's around 21 million euros. But then Madrid, in theory, have the contro riscatto of being able to buy him back if they decide they want him after all for like 26 or 27 million euros. So it's, it's, um, it's one of these sort of slightly odd um, deal structures that Madrid seem to enjoy doing these days with particularly Italian clubs. It reminds me of the, the Maratta deal where it's like, you can loan him for a couple of years and there's an option for you to buy him, but there's another option, which means we can have him back if we decide we don't like that as much. So um, the, the power is with Madrid on this one in terms of if they really wanted him to end up back there, then then he could. I'm inclined to agree with Mina um, about whether or not he'd find space there. And I think the question isn't necessarily about whether he'd find space, it's whether or not 
they would consider his value to be higher than those figures. And perhaps they would decide that. But he's been a bit of a, I don't know. I think he's, he's certainly a very talented footballer and I, and I wouldn't, um, for a second say uh, otherwise, but I, I don't feel like in the last 12 months, I've seen him progress in the way that I've seen some other young players at Milan do it. I, I look at, and I know I have probably talked about it a lot recently already, but I, I look at Raphael Leao and the progress he's making and it's not perfect. It's not linear, but I, I really feel like he's on this trajectory going somewhere really special. And Diaz, who on the surface is, is a little bit similar because they're both dribblers. They're both players you want to get on the ball and let them run at opposing defenses. I'm not yet seeing that that big step forward. In fact, if anything, I feel like this season has been a bit more hot and cold than he was last season, really. He started well. Yeah, but that's why I say hot and cold rather than, rather than just not good. I, I, I don't know. I, I feel like he's, he's been a bit, just not, not consistently moving. Yeah, in the way that I wanted to, which isn't to write him off as a footballer either. I, I think he's got some some really generous uh, technical gifts, and and that could could lead him somewhere. I I want to also be a, a just like a a bit bit of an, a language nerd with the trequartista thing because it's one of those Italian terms that we translate to mean number ten because that's yeah the best approximation of it. I mean, the trequarti in the end is the three quarters, which just means like an area of the pitch. And if anything, I think Italian teams are playing more than ever on the Terequarti. It's just that they're doing it with um, wide players often. So actually, it's often your your um, your right and left wing in a four three three that are that are your in effect your Terequartista. They're the ones who are on the three quarters for you. But I agree that the the number ten is. I think it's been a while, really. The last really true number ten at the sort of top top end of Italian football. I might have been Wesley Schneider. Um, who was a, a, a true number 10 who was sitting in that pocket and, and, and getting to, to, to hang out back then. Sorry? Should have won the Ballon d'Or. Should have done. I agree. I agree. Yeah, I think so. I agree with you there. It's just that he has so much talent. And when you see him on the ball and if he's not disturbed too much, then I think that he can give a lot. But it is the inconsistencies and I'm not seeing the progression, but he is so smart on the ball and he has such great vision. I just wish that if he could just have a little bit more of a fight within him on a mental level, I think that, I don't know, but maybe we'll, we'll see him break out uh, next year if he does indeed stick around. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp Online Therapy. Check them out at betterhelp.com slash Seria A. Now it's interesting, Nikki, I was actually um, having dinner with some of my friends. I think this was the only, it was the only two and a half hours I had off from what was a huge week of action. And one of my friends is very into therapy and she was surprised that we all make time for the gym and we all make time for various, you know, beauty rituals, whatever they are doing your nails, doing your hair, but not all of us make time for our mental health. And someone said, well, what about if you don't feel like there's anything going on or that there's anything to discuss? And she said, well, it's kind of like a tune-up. You should always be speaking to someone so that you're always in a good space, sort of like, you know, your annual checkup when you go to the gym and you maintain your physical wellness and prevent injury and disease. You should do the same with your mind. So that further down the line, when something has happened, you already have everything that you need 
in terms of therapy to help you with that. What, what do you think? Yeah, I, I try to go to the gym more than once a year. I don't always manage it, <laughs> but I, yeah, I mean, like with the annual checkup, you know, it, it could be the same as, as as your MOT. And I think how often you check up actually does change from person to person anyway, which goes for the gym and, and many other things. I think it's it's a really sort of um, helpful analogy, and I think it's it is one of those things that I think we we often relegate to the bottom of the list, don't we? You think about your your physical health, your appearance as, as being more important when they aren't. I think you know, yeah. the, the pressure that you can put on yourself that, that way to, to sort of carry certain weights and to use another analogy that I found helpful. Sometimes when you've got a lot of things that you're carrying, it can be like a, a weight on a, on a pin and, and you're the end of the pin and it's a sharp, it's all together. Whereas when you actually share some of the things that you're carrying, suddenly that weight is no longer just on one point. It's spread across different points and that um, can be a, a, a really helpful thing. So look, I'm, I'm a, I, I said before, and I, I really am really happy that this is our first ever sponsor on, on the Seria Chronicles podcast, because to me, going to therapy really is like the cliche is true. It doesn't mean something's wrong with you. It just means you're, you're putting that energy into investing in yourself and, and making sure that you're healthy as you do in other areas of your life. Yeah, absolutely. It's, uh, it's routine maintenance for your mental and emotional wellness, I guess, to prevent uh, bigger issues down the road. So certainly... Uh, very important. And I think we need to take it more seriously. Now, BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist. So you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can start communicating with your therapist in under 48 hours. Why invest in everything else and not your mind? This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp and Seria Chronicles. Listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash Seria. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Seria. Okay, let's go to the next question. And it's from Lachlan Piccoli who is a Chronicostifosi Patreon member. Hello. And he asks, which manager in Serie A, outside the current top seven, do you believe can make the step up to a major team in coming years and be a success? And is there a specific team you think they would suit? So top seven, so that doesn't include Vincenzo Italiano, so I'm out. (laughs) (laughs) Do you know what, Mina? I was literally, as you were asking this, I was saying, I'm just going to double check the detail because I'm pretty sure they moved ahead of Roma. And of course they did. So the current top seven, (laughs) as of today, we cannot have Vincenzo Italiano. And it's funny that both of us clearly had that name in our uh, our heads because Fisher, he's a wonderful manager who... um, I, I think I really appreciate what a nurturing presence he seems to be for his players. And I think that probably, I don't know what the intention of the question was from Lachlan. Maybe Lachlan really wanted to be strict in the top seven, but if you were not thinking of it in that sense, perhaps you yeah. were thinking of Roma as part of the top seven, Italiano as part of it. I think the other obvious one for me, and we talk about him plenty, is I, I think Ivan Juric is going to deserve that yeah. uh, step up to, to coach a, a really top team. And I think that he... um He's clearly an apple that's fallen from the Giampiero Gasperini tree. And he's brought some of that sort of ideology of uh, playing one-on-one football all over the pitch and uh, empowering your players and encouraging them to to trust themselves and back themselves. And I think that style of football is is very appealing and, and enjoyable to watch. I think he's got uh, some 
other influences outside of Gasparini. I think his his football, at least so far, that we've seen from him and the way that they're playing at Verona this season is a different level of aggression. I've talked about, I mentioned it again on the main podcast this week, like he's he's got his team in this hyper-aggressive mode where it's all in your face all of the time. And we don't care if we get whistled a lot for fouling you because we're just going to make you feel from the first whistle to the last whistle, like you are constantly dealing with us in your face. And I, I think there are some teams that would really, even at the higher end, really benefit from that. Whether or not he's got the tactical chops to do the really, really big ones, um, the, the Juventus of the world, I'm not sure yet. But for instance, maybe to be provocative, if you want me to name a club, why don't I say one who, whose fans won't thank me for it because they don't want to see their manager changed. We talked about this as well. The Roma supporters might still be in love with Mourinho, but I think what Roma fans have wanted and what I think they think they're getting with Mourinho is all of that commitment, all of that drive, all of that willingness to assault an opponent and not um, be passive, not surrender to your fate, be committed. I think a team like Roma, who are crying out for that little bit of just yeah, get in there and 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 be like that. That that could be quite a nice fit. Or um, I don't know. I'm, in my head, I'm trying to ask if it could work at Napoli as well. I think that might be too combustible for Napoli and Naples. But maybe um, we we do talk about Napoli sometimes as well. It's just lacking that little bit of a final willingness to back themselves. And I think Juric does get his players to back themselves. So maybe Napoli as well. But Roma is the one that I have in my head. I think that because we associate Napoli to this aesthetically pleasing style of football, that it'd be a departure for them to give somebody who's a lot about like rock and roll than he is about Tiki Taka. Um, but I do, I do see what you mean in sense of what he does on a mental level. I think that is what's so brilliant about him. It's also how he engages with his men, with his players. They like, they live for him by the end of it. He is such an important member in that dressing room and, and how much he manages to, to help players, um, get on board with what it is that he's trying to teach them. I think defensively, he's a very capable coach. I have sometimes a little bit of an issue with him from an attacking sense. I he Oh, another thing about him is he makes his players very tactically versatile and he can play different formations and teach them what they need to do if they do need to be slotted into another direction. We especially saw that El Asperona, especially with a player like Tamezi that he used in literally every single role you can imagine on that pitch at the time. He one point he was a centre-back, one point he was a forward. He is a midfielder. He was brilliant. My only thing is that sometimes he can sort of fix on a route to goal on a direction that he wants to attack in and isn't then very flexible after that to look at different ways. I, I don't think that necessarily, you know, when I look at Inzaghi, I think he has so much in his arsenal in terms of creating attacking schemes. You know, they will attack you through the middle. They will attack you from wide. They can attack you through your centre-backs, through everything. And that is what's so brilliant as well about Atalanta. But Juric, I'm yet to really see or feel that. And I don't know whether it is because he hasn't had the attacking players to work with to really make that kind of a difference as well. Because it's all obviously also a lack uh, a lack of technique in the in the teams that he has managed. You know, they're, they're not going to be teams that have like you know uh, Milinkovic Savage and Luis Alberto like Inzaghi had at Lazio or whatever he was at Hellas Verona, um, and he is at Torino, Torino. And he has Belotti, who you know came back and scored a goal. So you can say if anything it's working out. But I I still think there's I have to be proved wrong about that. 
I still think it's Vincenzo Italiano. If we're talking about the top seven, then I wonder if Mourinho can go to a top club and do something special. <laughs> oh my gosh, me. Mina, just going there. Oh my goodness. Um, Last wanted to say that, that <laughs> I, I, Vincenzo Italiano is my everything. I love what he does. I think he's brilliant. Just 17 points more than where they were last season. They've lost Blavage and you wouldn't, the intensity is still there. The belief is still there. What he's done with Odriazzola for me is just, it's incredible, you know. Um, just, yeah, I think he's just a wonderful coach who really buys into everything and takes a lot of defensive risks. And usually I don't like coaches who do that, but he more than un- makes you understand why he's doing that. But I also want to give a shout out to Paolo Zanetti at Venezia. I think he's got a tough job there because it's a dressing room that speaks about 35 different languages, you know. I mean, each player comes from a different country, basically. And yet he's managed to really unite a group and create a dressing room harmony. And a lot of these players are based on, you know, buying them for statistical reasons or where they come from or what they think they can provide. But he's actually extracted a lot of quality from players that perhaps a lot of teams wouldn't buy or wouldn't have anywhere near their squad. And yet I see them play and I think to myself, it's a very, very good team. It's a hard to beat team. It's a solid team and it's a happy team. And I think Zanetti deserves a lot of credit for that. Yeah, there's, there's others I could still name as well. Zanetti's a, a yeah. good shout. I think um, Thiago Motta at Spezia of, of the newly promoted teams are yeah. the ones who are um, punching the furthest uh, so far. And, and I think he's another Gasparini disciple who, who I think he'll get his chance sooner or later. So in some ways you sort of, think just because he's a, a big name as a former footballer that will happen and who knows maybe um Inter of course where he played one day and I wouldn't say a big club yet we did talk on the podcast about Davide Nicola and the job he keeps doing getting clubs out of trouble if he yeah gets, I agree with you if he gets Salini Tana out of trouble which I think might be beyond him but if he does it then he's really earned at least a, a solid mid-table job after constantly fixing and um, fighting everyone's fires for three seasons in a row who would you who where would you put Nicola by the way like a Torino or like a Roma? I'm joking. <laughs> Settle down. I'm really going for it. <laughs> no, I mean, if uh, if uh, Mina just wants trouble this week, she wants she wants uh, your Roma supporters out totally. there to, to come. It's only because our producer is a Roma fan as well, <laughs> so it's funny. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, you know, maybe a, a Fiorentina if Italiano goes and gets a bigger job, maybe that could be a, a next step for Nicola as as a step on the way up. Last question for us in this episode is from Ebers in Florida. And the question is, and this is a, a, a big one, Mina, I think we're going to have to contain ourselves or we'll be here for an hour just answering this question. Who is considered the greatest all-time Serie A player and the greatest all-time Italian player? This is so difficult. Okay, so weirdly enough, if you talk to me about like culture and who represents it and who would be the figurehead and who would be the poster child and who for me is Italian football, I will always say Roberto Baggio. <laughs> it's just, I don't know why. And here's the thing, like we were, it was funny because as soon as this question popped up, I, I immediately thought Roberto Baggio. And he was hoping that I would say that so she can, you know, come back at me. But I also realized that I was too young to really see him at his brilliance or to focus enough on it. You know, like, I guess for me, when he had reached the pinnacle, I I was still a kid. It wasn't like I was watching football day and night so I could really understand what it is that made him beautiful. But I remember thinking, 
he made me fall in love with football because of the way that he played it, because of his magic on the ball, because of his courage on the ball, because of his ability to change games, because of our dependency on him for the Italian national team in 1994, because he was a leader, but also came across as like this really nice guy. And weirdly enough, when his daughter posted on Instagram all the reasons why she loves her father because it was his birthday the other day, I'm not going to lie, I had like a tear in my eye, you know, because I could totally feel everything she was feeling because, you know, just she describes how he can't stop looking at his wife. And I don't know now whether I'm just in love with him because I just think he's a really nice guy more than I think he's a great footballer, you know. But it's difficult, again, because in my head, when I think of the brilliance of Italian football, I think of Franco Baresi. So I, I just think like if you if there's one thing that everyone tries to come at you, you'll you will have everything in your world. You may have Lota Mateo, so you may have, you know, I don't know, Ronaldo, the original, you know, or Lionel Messi, but Italy had Baresi. And he is single handedly for me the greatest defender of all time. Yeah, I mean, I was I was being a bit sort of just messing around when you were saying you'd say Badger and I had this plan to come back at you because all I was going to do was wait for you to say Badger and say, well, Badger missed the penalty in the World Cup final, whereas Badezi <laughs> came back with a miracle from his knee injury in a few weeks that should have kept him out and played a brilliant World Cup final. Honestly, one of the best defensive games I think I've um, I, I've seen from someone, or at least that's how I remember it. And of course, I was I was little in 1994, so I'm sure some of it is tinged with nostalgia. Mm-hmm. But you know, I, I think we could we could argue about lots of these players. And as Mina says, in the end, like so much of it is is actually about um, your own personal memories. And, and the same as Mina, I have a very sort of strong attachment to Roberto Baggio. I remember crying when he missed that penalty in 1994, and I remember being in that way that you get to be when you're a kid, hot with anger at, at the Italian media sort of going after him afterwards. And, and there was this story about how, because he was, he'd come out, come out, it's a ridiculous way of phrasing it. He's, he'd sort of uh, started talking openly about Buddhism. And there was this story, I remember when I was a kid, about he was going to be excommunicated by the Catholic Church. And I was a kid who was brought up in a very sort of loosely religious household. You know, we were Catholic because my Italian family of Catholics, he went to church, but it wasn't very sort of strongly sort of part of our identities, I suppose. And I um I remember being sort of furious at this at the church for that. Like it was like this, it was wrong because Badger couldn't be wrong. And um I I think personally, in terms of players I'm most attached to, yes, he's right up there. I think there's so many though you could do in Italian football. There's some that I can't comment on because they're before the before me, which is Gaetano Shirea, people like that. There's some who I I think of as as maybe the best of their positions. Barresi is one. Maldini, do I think there's been a better fullback that I've watched? Again, is it my Italian bias? I don't know, but I think he's he's magnificent and went on for so long. I am willing to argue with anyone that Gigi Buffon was the, the best goalkeeper of all time. So how do you weigh a goalkeeper against an outfield player? Great point. Right. And this is just by the way, and I think our producer Simon is trying to like highlight things in our shared document to remind us, we're just talking about the Italians. Because you actually asked two questions, which is who is the greatest Italian player and who's the greatest Serie A player? You can't talk about the greatest players in Serie A and not mention Maradona, for instance, or the Brazilian Ronaldo, who Mina already did mention, or maybe even Zidane. I don't know. There's such a long list that you can go on forever with these conversations. Surely it's going to be Maradona. 
I think probably, probably yes. Probably Marathon and... is the greatest city out there. Yeah, for sure. But it's it's weird that a greatest city out there is not Italian as well. I don't know. <laughs> I, th- I think the question of whether he's the greatest city out player of all time probably comes down to the, the, the age-old debates that we always come down to when you talk about greatest ever, which is what do you prize more, Mina? Do you prize the individual talent, which I think is Maradona? Maradona has this inside himself pure talent, this pure instinct that nobody else had. But do you prize that ahead of the player who was more serious as a professional and still had a huge amount of talent? And so sustain that success for a decade or longer. Because we have examples of that in Italian football. We have our Maldinis who went on and on and on. Whereas mm. Baggio, I'm sorry, Maradona is more about, but when he was special, he was, he was everything. And I think that is a debate that you can have forever and um, comes down to your personality in the end. But yes, Maradona was something else. It's funny. It's funny how much your memories do affect things and also which players you got. Like Ronaldinho was, for me personally, one of my favorite ever players. Like he is still the person that I will search probably the most on YouTube, you know. Um, but, he, you know, what he was in Spain is not the same as what he was in Italy. Do, do you know what I mean? Or like a Redondo, who is, again, my the, the reason I fell in love with football and Del Piero as well. But that was more because of my age, you know, and I started supporting Juventus and whatever it is. But incidentally, Baggio um, is the reason why I will... And I've I've never been able to stop myself, but it's kind of why I hate Saki. Like I just I feel like he is the reason for the downfall. Like he leaned so heavily on him in '94, and then just blamed him for the penalty and didn't call him. And I just didn't stick up for him. And there's mm-hmm. a part of me that has never really forgiven Prandelli, which weirdly enough did a great job for Italy. But because of, you know, bringing on Cassano in the World Cup when we were needed to be a counter-attacking presence and giving Marquisio too much to do, so he got a right card. And and it's almost like if, if you, they're really great players and the coach did something against them that I didn't like, I just don't know how to forgive very well, you know, and I carry this little pattiness with me all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but yeah, obviously there's also been Cristiano Ronaldo. I was yeah. obsessed with Rakoba obsessed with Rakoba but we never really saw him as being anything other than enigmatic for Inter because you knew he had it you knew oh wow what a player he was you know mm. so yeah there are there are several and I and I was thinking of doing this as a running theme because I just think that we could discuss this forever but we could pick two every week and argue again <laughs> yeah yeah I, I I really do feel that that way because I just we're so blessed to have had like a great like honestly, last 30 years, you know, since I think 86 was the pinnacle of international football at the time, you know, Laudrop is another one that I was madly obsessed with, you know, um, anyway, but it is what it is. And, uh, yeah, I think that's what we have time for, but do come back with us with any comments you may have, um, on these, uh, questions and how we answered that one in particular. But um, can I just read you something that our producer just wrote? And I don't know whether he's a Roma fan who just hates me right now, but he says a long answer to say Maradona is the greatest Serie A player and Baggio is the greatest Italian. So now you know what he thinks. (laughs) 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 I mean, he was highlighting all the time. Okay, we get it. (laughs) It's Maradona and Baggio. Anyway. We hope you enjoyed the Serie A Chronicles Q&A. Check out our website at serieachronicles.com and click the Chronicles to Fozzi button 
to join our Patreon community where you'll get access to exclusive episodes and bonus content. Or you can choose to contribute a smaller amount as a supporter without the bonus content if you just want to help us keep Seti Our Chronicles running. Get your questions and on Twitter. We do love answering and arguing about them at Seti Our Chronpod with the hashtag Chronicles Q&A or go to our website to email us or to even send us a voice message like we had last week and we'll put the audio of you asking your question on the show. Find us both on Twitter at Nikki Bandini at Mina Rizuki and subscribe to the Seti Our Chronicles YouTube channel for clips of the show where mostly I'm eating, putting on my lipstick, and Nikki's just got 15 documents on her computer trying to figure out which one to look to. Too many things open, always. I'm that person with 100 tabs. Like, that's how I live. Like my brain. It's just things everywhere. (laughs) Why you're so smart? It's why you're so smart. Leave us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. We hope you enjoyed This episode will be back obviously next Friday to answer even more questions. And uh, let's see if we can try to upset our producer a little bit more. (laughs) Ciao for now. That was brilliant. I told you when you said it, you you just put it in such a like a, oh, for goodness sakes, you know it's Maradona bad. You're like, why are we even here? You know, like I just, it made me really laugh when I saw it. Yeah, and then in my head, I was like, okay, we didn't even mention Maradona. And I was like, not even Platini has come on, by the way, as as a possible. Yeah. We didn't (laughs) mention Totti. Yeah, we didn't mention Totti, which is crazy, really. But I mean. See, I told you we can do this every week. Yeah. That was brilliant, guys. Thank you. It was a lot of fun. <laughs> that was really fun. I, I, yeah, that was a really fun q as well. Sports Social Podcast Network. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.